Now that property currently rents for nine fifty five a month, and we just got it appraised to do a cash out refi, and it appraised at eighty thousand. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible, and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? I'm Joe Fairless. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. And you can underline ever because that's how we roll. That's that's what we do. And if you are a longtime listener or if you're first time, I'm just going to tell you and remind you or tell you for the first time, respectively, what we're all about. This is a show all about getting the best real estate investing advice ever from our best ever guest who's a real estate investor or professional. And we don't get into any of the fluff. We get straight to the good stuff and talk about the things that will help you move your real estate business to more profitability, scaling it, and making things better for you. So today's guest, I'm really excited that we are speaking to a fellow Cincinnatian. As you all are probably aware, if you're listening loyally, that I've recently moved to Cincinnati last month or so from New York City, and I am enjoying it. And uh, I'm talking to today, Jared Sturm. Jared, how you doing? Doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Hey, glad to have you, my friend. And Jared's got a really, really interesting story because he is 25 years old and he's already built a portfolio of 20 unit of rentals. So he's got 20 units that he has him and his brother have in their own personal portfolio. He and his brother have done three flips since April. So we're in right now we're in July. So April, May, June, July. So what, three months, three, four months. They've already done three flips. He's work. They're working on the fourth. He's the co-founder of Sturm Properties where, you know, it's a quickly growing real estate investment company. And he is, he's actively doing it. And we're going to hear his story about how he's been able to do it so quickly 
And non-real estate related, he kind of threw me for a curve. He threw a curveball at me whenever he said this. I, I don't know what the heck it is, so he'll, he'll have to explain it. He said, there's only one candle pin bowling league in all of Ohio, and he's involved in it. So... First, Jared, what the heck's candlepin bowling really quickly? Okay, we're going to lead off with that. Yeah. (laughs) Candlepin bowling is a little bit different than uh, regular bowling because you use uh, the bowling balls are about the size of a shot put ball rather than a regular bowling ball. And they only weigh about, I don't know, four or five pounds. So that makes it a little bit different. And and there's other differences to it that I won't go into huge detail, but it's uh, it's very cool. And it's actually in Wyoming is where the the last one is in all of all of Ohio. But I think it's bigger up uh, in the northeast. Interesting. I haven't been up to to find that out. But, yeah, that's pretty rare around here. And when you say it's very cool, are you using air quotes when you use the word cool in that (laughs) context? (laughs) It's all relative. Exactly. (laughs) Compared to just scanning the MLS, it's pretty cool. There you go. There you go. Well, now now let's get into your background in real estate. Can you tell the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. So starting out, I have always had an entrepreneurial spirit. And at 18, we purchased, uh, me and my brother purchased our first property. And it was a house hack kind of buy it, live in it, and rent out the other rooms. And uh, did that all the way through college up until 21. And at that time, uh, graduated college, had no intention of getting a um, corporate job or full-time job or anything like that. I was set on self-employment and just went full out into real estate investment and purchased our first buy and hold property in 2012 when I was 21. I guess first buy and hold out of that house hack deal. So at 21, started buying them up. And now at 25, like you said, we have 20 units. And recently, back in April, started to transition into flips as this market has been heating up and taking advantage of that. Can you explain house hacking a little bit more detail and and then what you did once you did the house hack to allow you to kind of get in, roll that into more properties? Yeah. So a house hack is where you purchase a property it really could be a multi-unit, but this one for me was a single family. I purchased the property, uh, was living in one of the rooms. Uh, my brother was living in another bedroom, and then we rented out four other bedrooms. So it was a six-bedroom house, and we just rented it out to friends, and it worked really well, just kind of renting by the room, and we took care of all the utilities and everything and took care of the bills, and uh, they liked it a lot, and it was a good cash flow through college. And uh, you mentioned how did it transition into the next ones, and it, and it really it didn't too much. I mean, it helped us get a little bit of background on being a landlord, but it was renting to friends, so that's always different. But really, the what we had to help us get into investment property and and doing real estate investment is our skill in contracting. So uh, we ran a construction company through college, my brother and I. Uh, working on other people's homes, doing contracting work like kitchens, bathrooms, decks, additions, and so on. So that's really our unfair advantage that we used to transition into real estate investment more than the uh, house hack I mentioned. Okay, interesting. You were doing contract work, helping helping people with you know renovations on their homes. So how did you use that as as you said your unfair advantage, you know to to get into other stuff? Yeah. So uh, back at twenty one, just graduating college, money 
didn't really exist too much. We had saved up a good amount for or what we saw as a good amount then to buy our first properties. But the reason contracting helped us get in was because we had the skill to do the rehabs for these properties, but lacked the capital to get into or to, to buy the ones that are already fixed up. So what we were doing was we were buying properties that were very distressed that uh, most investors would just say, oh God, not worth it. The rehab's way too much, too much risk. And what we did was we sacrificed our, our time and our labor and our skills as contractors to uh, counteract our lack of capital. So we were buying very, very cheap and then dumping a bunch of our own time and labor into it to uh, cut costs on expenses. Ah, okay. That makes sense. And so you, at this point, and I mean, whenever you were just starting, did you still have your six bedroom home? Yes, I uh, still had it and still have it today. So okay. currently I run into a nice family who takes really good care of it and better than the six guys that were in there when I was in there. <laughs> but yeah, they, we still have that. And all the rentals that I've purchased from 2012 up until now, I still hold so I have not sold any of those. I only have sold uh, the ones that I intentionally purchased to flip. What are the numbers on that six-bedroom house? Eh, that's the one I... <laughs> that's our worst one. So we bought that in 2008, and I completely overpaid. So I had no idea. I didn't know about real estate investment. What I really liked about that property was it had a uh, eight-car detached garage, and I knew we were going to run the construction company, so I thought, great, this is perfect for putting all our tools and things. I can give you the numbers just to show the best-ever listeners that you know, even if I'm doing well now, I started out with a uh, total mess. So <laughs> it might not sound like a mess, but I, it's, I could have done much better. So I purchased that at one, 127, and we slowly put rehab work into it, fixing it up, adding a couple bedrooms in the basement and things like that. But I don't have a number on rehab because we were doing all the work ourselves and uh, it was less organized back then. Right now, that one rents for eleven ninety a month. And so uh, not horrible numbers, but I do better on my other ones. Yeah. And, and you kind of just slid in that you added a couple bedrooms into the basement. That's That's quite, I mean, for me, I'm I'm not a contractor. That I feel like that's quite an undertaking. You know, perhaps it's not. How much work is involved in adding bedrooms in the house, and what type of permitting's needed for that? Yeah, so if you're adding bedrooms, it can be quite a big job. You need to have the correct windows for fire code and things like that. So uh, to to call them bedrooms. Back then, we were just just learning a lot. So. We finished out that basement pretty quickly and, you know, did it correctly and it's, and it turned out really good. But, uh, with our background in contracting, it, it never was an issue or a, a big undertaking. Okay. So you, at this point you have the six bedroom house, mm-hmm. you're using your skill and how'd you pay for that six bedroom house while you're still in college? The first house when we were, when I was 18 was with a lot of help of parents. So That first one uh, was financed through a bank with them co-signing, and they helped out with the down payment. Not until not until twenty one were we kind of on our own with these properties. Got it. That's awesome. And with now you're on your own. You've got a contracting business. You're you're using your own skills and your brother's skills to 
pick up dirty projects that nobody else wants to touch because if they are taking into account the time that it takes, the numbers don't work out, but you're you're using your sweat equity to get in there and, and get some deals done. How many properties were you doing and how were you able to continue to go from one project to another? I mean, you've got 20 units right now, so how are you able to go from one project to another and keep them in your portfolio? Yeah, so... What we were doing was buying very, very cheap. And uh, at the time, for the first eight properties uh, in that time period, we acquired the first eight. We were still running the construction company. So what we would do is we would buy a house for fifteen thousand dollars with money that we'd saved up from doing other people's kitchens and bathrooms, and then we would go, you know, work on it for a month and then jump back to do another job on someone else's house, do another kitchen, get a little bit more money and throw it all back into the investment properties. And that juggle happened for the first eight properties. And um, on top of that, we hardly paid ourselves. So every bit of money we got went into buying the next property and then rehabbing it. But like I said, you know, you can, we could make $15,000 off doing someone's kitchen but then turn around and buy a $15,000 house. And so once the dust has settled on those eight homes, I assume they're all rehabbed, right? Yes. We were extensively rehabbing it. Some would argue over rehabbing. But what we would do was we were buying these houses that nobody wanted to touch, but we had every intention to update all the mechanics and, and make it a very nice house. That way we wouldn't be have those capital expenses looming over us for the next years that we hold it. And... How much just generally, or maybe you can give some specifics on a couple of them that you bought for 15 after the rehab, what are they worth now? Yeah, I can give you an example on our, on our very first one. So we bought that one for $14,500 and this was in 2012. So keep that in mind. Couldn't do it today, but 14,500 purchase price. We put $11,000 into it. Now, also keep in mind that that is materials only. Uh, we doing all the labor. It took me and my brother about four months of work to do that, and we did not pay ourselves. So we were probably in about 25000 Now, that property currently rents for nine fifty five a month. And we just got it appraised to do a cash out refi and it appraised at 80000 That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and most of the others are around the exact same, uh, exact same numbers. So those, those first were, have started to pay off now that we're doing the cash out refis and moving the money into the next ventures. It's interesting. I, I haven't come across someone that's approached real estate in this way to build their portfolio. What's next for you? Are you two continuing to do this model or are you going a level up? What are you doing? Yeah, so right now the buy and hold market is a little tougher. So we are utilizing flips and it's working fantastic. And really our plan is to continue to flip really at a pace of probably about four houses a month is what we're going to try to get to here soon. And just focus on single family flips and just build up as much capital as we can waiting for a downturn in the market, which then we are going to try to jump into larger apartment buildings. So kind of like a hundred unit plus is what we're looking into. And what will signify the downturn in the market that will indicate it's time for you to jump into those apartment buildings? That's a question I haven't got to yet. So I'm focused on the uh, flips right now and just building up that capital. But 
I'm going to be transitioning markets here soon, moving down to Georgia. So I'm really just trying to learn that market as best I can and talk with uh, people who are more informed on when to buy and, and when not to buy. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll buy in any market as long as it's a good deal. But for everything I hear about, it's very difficult to buy those large apartment buildings right now. Are you moving to Georgia? Yes, I am moving to Georgia and investing in Georgia as well. So I'll be moving there in about 12 months and uh, very, yeah. very excited for that. But uh, our company in Cincinnati will still exist and still be running. Is your brother still going to stay in Cincinnati? No, he is coming to Georgia as well, right around the same time. And right now, our rental company, we are currently working on bringing in another partner who has been working for us and works great. And he is going to take over the day-to-day stuff in the rental company here in Cincinnati. Got it. Well, Jared, let's get to the, the big part of the show. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Okay. Well, you know, as you know, I'm uh, a younger guy, so I try to preach on utilizing time. And so my best advice would be utilize time as a tool uh, in your investing tool belt, and it will drive you into action. Like a lot of people don't see it as a tool, and I kind of like to view it that way because it's almost, if you think about it as, you know, if you have if you have money or not, and that's a tool in your tool belt. So capital is easy to come by, but time is not. So if you think about every day that you're not taking action, you're losing that time. And if you thought of it as every day you're not taking action, you're losing money. It might drive you into action. So I really like I like thinking about it that way to utilize time as a tool in the in your investing tool belt. You have certainly done that with how you've built your portfolio where you're, you're putting in your, your time and your sweat equity to, to build your business and your brother's business. Yes, and uh, I mean, with, with real estate, leverage and time mixed together is a very powerful wealth-building strategy. So I'm hoping it pays off, and I think it will. You know, with your rentals and, and the flips that you're doing, how are you able to manage all of them? Or as you said, do you have, a te- you have that one team member that's been doing it already, so... I mean, how are you able to balance your time if that team member's not full-time? Or is he? He is not full-time. So he handles all of the day-to-day stuff with the rentals. So that takes a lot off my plate. And what else has been great is always having my brother there. And we have always worked together. So it's it's almost like just another set of hands that uh, we work together seamlessly. And uh, it's, a, it's a juggling act that just runs very smoothly. So it sounds like I'm doing a lot, but there, there's two of us and um, we both give it everything we got every day that we work on it. What type of software, if any, do you have with your rental management? We use Buildium and we've been using that for about two years. And it's really taken a little bit of time to get everything working exactly as we want it. Now, what has really helped in the past few months is the um, future partner that we've brought on and who has been overseeing the property management. He's a a CPA, and he has completely honed our books in and worked with this Buildium software to uh, much better track things, better recording, better reporting. So Buildium, once we got it all working, has been fantastic. So that really helps speed everything up. 
So you, the person who's helping you out is a CPA, which is awesome. For tenant relations, is he's also the one, the point person, and, and lease signings and all that stuff? At this point, yes. So just at 20 units, uh, it's not enough for him to, or for us to add an additional person for that role. And uh, so maybe in the future, as we add more units, he will phase himself out of that. But he's also very good at the people person skills. So he's, uh, he's very good in this role. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, do you want to get around the 80% loan to value rule and get lines of credit for your real estate business? Well, our previous best ever guest, Jimmy Moncrief, and you can check out his episode in 245, so episode 245. He's a real estate investor himself and also a bank credit officer. So you can go to realestatefinancehq.com forward slash best ever for your free negotiating guide. And he's doing it himself. The title of the episode I interviewed him on is um, You Better Be Nice to Your Banker If You Want Them to Do This. And that's all about the negotiating techniques as well. So um, go to realestatefinancehq.com forward slash best ever. Get your free negotiating guide. And then also check out his episode. Jared, what's the best ever book you've read? I like Business Brilliance by Lewis Schiff. It was a really, really good book. It's different than most uh, business books, but uh, it talks a lot about different success stories. And that's one you don't hear all the time, but it has a lot of statistics in it that I, that I really enjoyed reading. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? I have to say marriage. So I am married and it's been a huge growth experience. I'm a very driven person and and learning how to share your life with someone else and and balance those things with with their life and and mold it into one has been a huge learning experience and and a great experience for me best ever deal you've done i would have to say the house that i'm currently living in and it's kind of an odd deal but the purchase price was 75 i put about two thousand dollars in rehab into it and I'm going to be closing on it here in about two weeks for 190000 And that was over about a seven-month span. Not including the, the labor costs? There really wasn't any labor costs. So the, if I can slow down the lightning round and explain it, if that's all right. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> okay. So I purchased this house. And a week after purchasing it, I was approached by a developer who is working for Kroger. And they are buying me out and bulldozing the house. So I put really bare minimum work into it just to make it livable. And we've been living here for seven months and getting ready to close on it. Was there any negotiating back and forth on the purchase price? Yeah, it went back and forth for a while. And at the end of it, it ended at 190. What'd they initially offer? I want to say 160. Now I had just purchased it a week before for one, for 75. So they were uh, well aware that I would be happy walking away at 190, but, or I would have been happy walking away at 160. But we went back and forth a couple times, and I knew they needed it in their development, so we landed at 190. 
Best ever project you're most excited about right now? I'm very excited to move to Georgia and uh, start investing there. It's just a, it's so different because I was born and raised in Cincinnati and you know know the streets and know the different communities and it's it's very exciting and challenging to be researching and learning different markets in an area that I did not grow up in. I have one more question about this Kroger thing. Okay. <laughs> did you know about the Kroger? thing before you bought it or is that just lightning in a bottle yeah sheer luck so i don't claim this to be it's my best deal ever as far as uh, dollars but really skill behind it or strategy there was none so i uh i got very lucky purchasing it and the reason the developer did not purchase it was because i had to i bought it during an owner-occupied period which was another hurdle that we had to get over in negotiations. I was actually rele- I had to get released legally by Freddie Mac from their Home Steps program to be able to sell it. So they were they released me from the one year owner occupied obligations that I had committed myself to. And after that happened, I was free to sell it. And that is the reason the developer didn't just buy it is because I bought it during an owner occupied period. And why did they release you from your obligation? I would talk to a lot of people during this whole buyout thing, and they were saying, oh, you know, uh, Home Steps, Freddie Mac, they don't check that. You know, you could sell it, it'll never be an issue. But in the contract, it's very serious penalties. And ethically, I just didn't feel right putting myself or my family, you know, into that. So what I did was I just simply called them. I just called the number I could find on the internet and said, hey, look, this is what's happening there's a commercial development happening all around me. If I do not sell and hold out, I'll be the guy that gets developed around and it can cause my family financial distress because at that time, my property will be worth very little if I get smashed in between a Kroger and a, and a Goodyear tire. So what they did was they, they reviewed the case and they agreed and sent me the paperwork legally releasing me from that one year obligation. Best ever way you like to give back. Okay, this is going to sound very capitalistic, but what I, I really, truly enjoy is uh, giving people the opportunities to have jobs. So every time I hire the, you know, the roofer or the carpet guy or, you know, the title agent or the real estate agent, I, you know, I, I see that they have a job and they're able to pay for their house and their bills and, you know, put food on their table. And the more money that I can make move the more opportunities I give people to work. And I'm, I'm happy to sacrifice my pay and, you know, I, I'm by no means make a lot of money, sacrifice my pay to give people better pay to, to watch that opportunity happen for them. So I really like giving people the opportunity to work. And what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Biggest mistake I made was probably buying a house sight unseen at a tax lien auction. And it just turned out to be a massive rehab project to the point where we should have knocked the house down, but we didn't. We ended up rehabbing it. And the way I should have corrected that, I think, would be to have better exit strategies for the unknown when buying sight unseen. So I wouldn't say buying sight unseen was the mistake. I should have had better exit strategies for those unknowns that could have come up. Where can the best ever listeners get a hold of you? Bigger Pockets is a great place. I'm on there frequently, so you can reach me there, or you can reach out to me on my email, which is jaredsturm at gmail.com. That's J E R E D S T U R M at gmail.com.
Jared, thank you for being on the show, having this conversation with Best Ever listeners, talking about your growth at you know 25 years old and you know how you've built your business from the ground up with you know a, a lot of a lot basically trading uh, properties for time and I think a lot of people would do that but it, it's skilled skilled time that you're putting into these properties um, I think that's the key and and coming at it from a contractor's background where you're making money helping other people renovate their homes you're investing that money into homes that nobody will touch and then you're using your skilled labor to fix those homes and using the the material money or the money from your your that you're making on other people's properties to invest in your own properties it really is a, a an interesting and it's not a, a groundbreaking business model by any means, but for every reason, I just I haven't heard a lot of people build their business that way. Perhaps because all the contractors are are too busy doing doing their next job. <laughs> Maybe I just haven't come across many. But it's 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 really it, it's interesting to hear this type of business and how you've built it. So I'm I'm glad that you shared that with us and and congratulations on the house that you're in right now and. And you know, finding the uh, the golden unicorn uh, with the house and and selling it, and you know, good luck with your transition to Georgia over the next twelve months and learning that market and investing there. The reason why I asked you if you're moving there because I I would have had many other follow up questions on why you're living in Cincinnati but choosing Georgia randomly. But it makes sense that you're moving there that you're investing there. So. Congrats on that transition, the success that you've had so far, and good luck with what your the remaining investments you do in Cincinnati and then what you build in Georgia. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll be very busy for the next 12 months still in Cincinnati and, and then jump into it with both feet. And after that, time's up here in Cincinnati. And like I said, the Cincinnati will still exist. We're not shutting this door, but just expanding. Sounds good, Jared. And we will talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Joe. 